Hey everyone, welcome to episode 14 of the SportKite podcast. I am your host, Nick O'Neill, founder of SportKite.org, and I want to thank you for tuning in and listening. This podcast is a part of the website, SportKite.org, and it's a growing resource for SportKite flyers and enthusiasts. It is all volunteer run and updated. So if you're interested in supporting the podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com slash SportKite. You can also find us on Facebook, and we'd love to hear what you think, whether you agree or disagree with what we're saying, or maybe you want to add something. And I just want to take a second to shout out to some of our recent supporters on Buy Me A Coffee, and that is Appalachian Pilot, Tim, Morton, Alan, and George. So thank you to the five of you for reaching out and donating to sportkite.org podcast. Really, really appreciate it. So. In this episode, I actually answer a question that was sent in to us at info at sportkite.org, uh, and it was about lines. And this person wanted to know more about lines and line sets. So let's get started. Kite lines are usually the last thing people think about, and they're one of the first things that they complain about. Lines can make or break your flying experience, and they can turn a good kite into a poor flying one. There are many factors that go into line making and line selection, and knowing the differences between the various options can help you get the most out of your kite. There are two characteristics you see when you are purchasing lines or line set. And the first is the weight or the tensile strength. And this is literally how much weight the line could hold before it snaps. There's a little bit of overage built in by most manufacturers, but it's safe to assume that if I have a line that says it is a 50 pound line, if I were to hang a 50 pound weight off of it, it would be at its breaking point. So at 51, it would snap. The other thing you see on sport kite lines is length, and that is pretty self-explanatory. It is literally how long the kite line is. In a future episode, we'll get into what playing with that length of line can do to your flying and what some of the ideal lengths are, etc. But let's get back to actual line makeup. So it is worth knowing that there are some major factors that affect your line in flight. And when we know this, it kind of helps us better understand the materials that are used in kite line manufacturing. So the main factor that's affecting lines in flight, regardless of their makeup, is wind drag. As the wind blows across the lines, it creates a drag on the line, and this in turn creates weight pulling on the kite. Too heavy of a line for a kite creates a sluggish feeling as it is literally pulling the kite out of the sky. Too light and you run the risk of the strength of the line not being able to sustain the dynamic and static loads of flying. This is the same for any kind of kite you fly, be it sport kite, a single line, a big display kite, etc. Now wind drag can come either by the thickness of the line or the makeup of the line. So like a there's more wind drag on a fuzzy line than there is on a super slick line. So the second most important factor in lines is their stretch. And it's worth noting that most higher end purpose-built sport kite line sets come pre-stretched, meaning that this should not be too much of an issue. Stretch does have its benefits and difficulties. 
And the stretch is only noticeable when the lines are taut, not when they're slack. And there are two kinds of stretch. There is elastic stretch and creep stretch. Elastic stretch comes from the braid of the line where the fibers are, are pulled taut and the braid is pulled and then the tension relaxes the fibers. They can also relax and it causes elastic rebounding of the fibers back into the original shape. Creep stretch is a permanent deformation under a tensile load. And so the fibers are effectively locking into place and they, they do not rebound. It just happens and it, it stops there. Most higher end sport kite flyers would prefer to fly on pre-stretched lines and eliminate that extra bit of squishiness that you might feel. It's really annoying when you're flying and trying to do something and you keep noticing that your hands are perfectly equal and the kite keeps spinning off one way or the other without input into that side. And that's Typically, that's a good sign that you have uneven stretch in the lines. And the easiest way to see this, if your lines are, have stretched unevenly, is to stake out one end and then you walk them all the way out till they're taut. If one is longer than the other, then voila, you have your culprit. And there are ways you can fix and equalize this, and perhaps we'll have to leave that one also to another episode. <laughs> it involves... Uh, untying the sleeving, adjusting, and retying the lines to equilibrium. And so it is worth noting that stretch really is one of those things that sport kite flyers don't tend to see as a benefit. So you ideally, you'd want to pick a lower stretch line for your flying if it's, if it's sport kite flying. So, all right, now let's get into the construction of lines themselves. Good kite lines are either twisted or braided. They are not extruded. So forget about those monofilament lines, which are extruded plastic fiber. A few folks have asked in the various kite groups about replacing their flying line with fishing line. And I generally recommend against this with a few exceptions. Um, most fishing line is that monofilament extruded plastic and it has a high stretch ratio. And some of these lines will stretch an additional 50% over the length of the line. So you simply cannot have this when it comes to sport kite flying. Your inputs would need to change and adapt every second of your flying to compensate for feet's worth of difference in line length vice say a low or pre-stretched line which may shift half an inch with hours and tens and thousands of hours of flying and so um yeah i i recommend against switching out your sport kite lines for that monofilament line um you can fly like you know, some single line kites on that and some indoor kites you could probably fly uh, on that monofilament line because you're not applying a lot of pressure. So you might not be having a lot of stretch happening. However, you kind of want to avoid that and you kind of want to stick with braided or twisted lines. So now to get into the actual materials of some of these lines, you have cotton and linen lines. Uh, 
which is kind of the traditional kite line. That's what's been used for eons. And those are primarily used for fighter kites. They have a very relatively low stretch and uh, they can have a high wind drag and they can kind of also have a high weight ratio. So not necessarily a strength to weight ratio, just a high weight for the, the line itself. And some fighter kite flyers like that because the weight of the line that comes with cotton and linen lines, or even manja, which is ground up glass coated cotton line, uh, specifically for kite flying, is a benefit. That added weight allows the flyer to fly their kite at a low angle of attack and then use the length of the kite to maneuver the kite higher in uh, light winds. And so they actually appreciate having the weight of the line pull the kite down into a more advantageous position for kite fighting. So again, not good for sport kites, but good for kite fighting is cotton and linen lines. So next up we have nylon line, which this was actually the first widely used synthetic fiber. And it does have advantages over cotton, being it's thinner, it's cheaper, it doesn't get mildew, um, but it has a huge drawback. And that's that nylon stretches roughly 20% over the length of of the line, and that makes it completely useless for sport kite flying. Uh, this stre the stretch percentage does drop down to about 14% for most polyesters. Higher grade polyesters, it's a lower stretch, uh, but 14% for most of the low to mid grade polyester. And polyester kite line suffers from having different grades, and so it kind of makes it not the best suited for higher end sport kite flying, maybe for entry level, but you're not gonna see it if you're actually putting in time and hours into your sport kite flying. All right, so now let's get to Kevlar. Everyone has heard of Kevlar, whether it's via bulletproofing or even kite line. And this is a very strong line and it has an average stretch of about three and a half percent and a line diameter that is rather small compared to other lines of the same tensile strength. So it means it has less wind drag and less stretch, which makes it sound perfect. However, the downside is that not only it will cut everyone else's line if you come in contact with them, but uh, due to the way that the molecular makeup um, of Kevlar, the aramid molecules are oriented to bond linearly, which prohibits the stretch from end to end, which is great. However, this also makes it very fragile in a bending fashion. So any knots or clips or even winding the lines around a standard winder can decrease the strength of the material by some estimates of around 60%. So this means your 100 pound flying line that you're on because of a knot that you may have used at the end to tie the line to the handle or even to uh, tie the line to the kite you have effectively dropped that 100 pound line down to a tensile strength of 40 pounds. And one of the ways that you can avoid this massive decrease or at least minimize it, minimize it a bit is to do what's called sleeving. 
And sleeving is where you would run that thinner flying line through the hollow core of another thicker line and use the thicker line as end point to tie your knots, thus making any bends uh, or knots bigger and potentially less fragile. Um, so typically you don't see Kevlar line in sport kite flying, not only for the cost, but also because it's just, it's not a very friendly line and anything you hit with it, Kevlar is going to cut right through it. Uh, so last but not least, we come to essentially what is the standard for sport kites, and that is UHMWP, or Ultra High Molecular Weight Polyethylene. It's also known as High Modulus Polyethylene. Uh, Dyneema and Spectra are the common brands of this lightweight, high-strength, oriented strand gel that spun through a spinneret. Uh, you may have heard of a handful of other uh, kite-specific brands, such as Shanti Lines or even the Matrix Line through Level 1 Kites USA. Uh, but the, the name that most people recognize are Dyneema and Spectra. And in a way, Spectra has become more than just a brand name, it's actually become a type. And so when people talk about flying on Spectra lines, they may actually be flying with another brand, but Spectra is like Kleenex or Xerox. It's become, the name itself has actually become a representation of a type of product. And so everyone associates that name. Anyways, so UHMWP lines also have a stretch rate of about three and a half percent. And overall, they're the best choice for sport kite flying. They do have a few downsides, however, but ultimately these are not major detractors when compared to other lines. They do have a somewhat comparatively low melting point, but this is only an issue if you are repeatedly wrapping your lines and doing so with lines of another material with a higher melting point. So if you're flying in teams and not all of you are on the same line set and say other people are on a higher melting point line set and you're on spectra, your lines are gonna be the first to snap. Um, again, this, that's such a infrequent case that it's not really a big downside. There is also creep in spectral lines, and that's that uh, permanent deformation stretch. But typically it's a very small amount, and it's only really an issue if you're replacing one line from a set at a time. Typically most people fly equally enough that the creep that might happen will happen equally across both lines. If it's not perfectly equal, it's very easy to adjust for this. And where this really tends to be the most notable is for quad line flyers. There, be, there may be more creep in the top lines versus the bottom lines if they tend to fly heavily in a drive position versus a braked or balanced position. And so be it that you're a dual line or a quad line flyer, if you're noticing a lot of creep or unevenness going on, you can adjust your line set so that they're even um, but if you're going to replace a line, replace the whole set. Don't just take out one <laughs> and replace just the one. So, now what lines come with your kite? Well, most entry-level sport kites come with a mid-grade 
or even an upper grade polyester line, uh, depending on the manufacturer. So Prism comes with a higher grade polyester for most of their their kites that you purchase. And so the potential stretch rate on that is lower than that standard 14%, but it's not the 3.5% of UHMWP. This is not inherently bad, given how most entry-level sport kites are flown. So it is worth noting that those are looking, those that are looking to take a step up in their flying usually will also upgrade to UHM WP line and over time begin to tailor what line set they like the best. One thing I haven't really touched on this whole thing is coatings or interweaving of other materials. This does happen and coatings especially can affect things like how slippery the line is, if it gets gummed up or other stuff like that. And I'd love to be able to give a comprehensive discussion on it, but ultimately after talking with so many folks about it, really comes down to how it feels for you. And maybe we can touch base on that a little bit in one of the group chats so each person can give their input. Anyways, uh, one of the reasons that you may not see a UHMWP line set with entry-level kites is the cost. Whereas a polyester pre-made line set purchased independently may cost you about 5 to $10, a uh, UHMWP slash Spectra set will set you back about $35 and up. And that's just for dual line. Quad line is more. Uh, of course, this can be cheaper if you buy your own materials and cut your own line sets, tie your own sleeving, and have your own handles, but this just kind of generally gives you an idea. Polyester is great for someone that is flying maybe five times a year when they go to the beach with their kids and the kite comes out of the closet. That UHMWP slash Spectra Dyneema is better suited to hold up to the wear and tear of someone that is wanting to perhaps fly a little bit more seriously, be a weekend warrior, or is even looking to go up to competing and becoming a professional kite flyer. So yeah, that was a lot of information in a very short amount of time about the different kinds of line that are out there. And uh, yeah, so with that, I wanted to say thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the Sport Kite Podcast. We hope to be bringing you something new every week. And we're gathering your questions together like we did for this one uh, and bringing them to the crew or uh, to myself to discuss on future episodes. So if you have something you would like to ask or you are wondering uh and you just kind of want to hear the guys discuss it, send us an email at info at sportkite.org and we'd love to hear from you. Oh, yes, I know I say this with every episode and I say it at the start and at the end, but it is really important. If you like what you've heard here and you'd like to see it continue, consider becoming a supporter. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash sportkite. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and I'd love it if you share this podcast with your fellow sport kite flyers or an up and coming sport kite flyer, or even if you know a, an older sport kite flyer that's kind of been off the field for a little bit, send this to them and hopefully they will love it. All right. So thank you for listening and until next time. Bye.